Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I'm Christy Graham, and I recently attended the Prescription for Renewal. This is an annual medical missions conference that Samaritan's Purse hosts, where medical personnel gather from all over the country to be encouraged, renewed, and get continuing education credit. This was actually the 30th anniversary of the conference held in Orlando, Florida. I had the privilege of talking with many wonderful ambassadors for Christ. Kent Brantley and his family attended the conference, and I was grateful to sit down with them. You probably remember Kent as he contracted Ebola while serving in Liberia. He overcame the disease and has a wonderful memoir and documentary to share his story. But I thought hearing from his family and their perspective of the incident would be encouraging to you. So welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I am at Prescription for Renewal in Orlando, Florida, and I have the Brantley family. I have the privilege of talking with Jan and James, um, who are the parents of Kent Brantley. And I know a lot of you know of Kent and Amber and their story as they served with Samaritan's Purse, and Kent contracted Ebola. So I know our families know him, but I want them to know your heart because I know a lot of prayer um, and support went through um, sending him. And so, Jan, thank you so much for joining me. I just would love to hear from your perspective as a mother, um, as the audience has a lot of mothers that are sending their children um, or even their spouse, but we just would love to hear from your perspective. So how was it even sending Kent overseas as a missionary? He was a doctor wanting to serve a full-time missions. What was that like when he told you that? Um. I knew for years that Kent was going to be a missionary. Mm-hmm. Um, the, since he was a child, a, a very small child, he had a very close connection to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And um, I have six children, and they all have a connection to the Lord. But uh, Kent, from a very young age, had a very close connection. and. I knew that, but then um, as he grew up, he began to go on mission trips as a teen and went to Africa. And um, after many mission trips, um, he came home from uh, a summer that he spent in, was it in Africa? Honduras. Was Honduras. It, was it in Honduras? Um, no, I'm thinking about Jim. I think when he went, and did the internship in Africa, no, and I was he was in Honduras with Mission Lazarus. Okay, well, he came home and he said, "It dawned on me during that mission trip that God might call me to do something that I really didn't think I wanted to do. Hmm. He might call me to be uh, give up my comforts and." Hmm. Uh, he said, that really scared me. Um, but he was never, he never gave up that dream. And so I, people would ask me, what, what do you think of this? Or what do you think of sending your children off? And after Ebola happened and they would ask me that, I would just say, I would never trump God. I, I know that God called him, God saved him from sins, and God saved him from Ebola, and I would never, uh, wherever he goes, 
will be fine with me. And we're going to miss them, and we um, will miss seeing Ruby and Stephen and some of their highlights of their lives, mm -hmm. but um, we'll see them all in heaven, and that's what's important to, to me, to Jim. Um, we just want all the children to follow God's call, and we don't want to get in the way of that. Hmm. Hmm. And do you mind talking about that, that, you know, when he, that moment when he was sick and you really thought you were going to lose him? Um, how did you approach God in that time? I had a long talk with God the day I thought he was dying. And uh, I went out and walked around that guest house where Samaritan's Purse had so graciously sent Melissa and Mary Elizabeth and um, I remember going out and there was a pool there it was very quiet but the children were down on the dock fishing with a, an uncle I think and um, I just said to God I think I'm closer to your heart today than any other day of my life and I know what it feels like to give up a son, and uh, I can do that because you did that. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember very that conversation. Uh, I hope I'll always remember it. But I, I spoke to God that day and just said, "He's yours. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been yours a long time, and I know you love him as much as I do." And I'll give him up, and I can do that because I know he knows your son. And so I, I gave him up. I really, I mean, I felt like that I'd never done that before, and uh, I did that that day. And it, about that time, Ruby came running from the dock, and she said, Mama, she calls me, the grandkids call me Mama. She said, Mama, Mama, this is the best day of my life. And I said, what, Ruby? And she said, I caught a fish. And she had this little fish that was like three inches long. <laughs> and she caught that fish. And I, I just said, yes, Ruby, it's going to be the best day of your life. And at the time, I was thinking, she's going to lose her daddy today, and she doesn't know that. Mm -hmm. But God is gracious and graciously saved Kent. Um, it wasn't long after that until Lance Plyler called Amber and said, um, get your parents and, and Kent's parents. Are they there with you? And she said, we were, and she, he said, get them all together. I want to talk to all of you. Well, we thought he was calling to tell us that Kent was gone. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> Amber, I don't know what he said to her, but we didn't know why he was calling. He had called earlier and said, pray, pray now. Or Ken Isaacs or somebody called Amber and said, you all pray now. And that's what we were doing. We prayed and, and then I went and walked outside and, and I had this conversation with God. But 
um, he called us to tell us that he had felt compelled to give Kent a dose of the Z-Map. And he called to tell us that within the hour, Kent had, after shaking chills, and um, he said, I don't, I don't know how long I can do this, you know. Um, then he was able to get up and go to the bathroom and he, with help, but he was well, able he to been get able up. He to do that for about two days yeah. or three. Uh, so that was, um, I, I just, we just cried <laughs> when, when he told us that. We knew he wasn't out of the woods mm -hmm. and we knew we might still lose him. Uh, it wasn't long after that until Melissa came in and said, um, we're leaving tomorrow <laughs> and we're going to Atlanta and they're going to bring him back to Atlanta. We had come prepared <clears throat> to go to Belgium. We thought it was he might be going to Belgium. So we had our passports and we thought wherever, wherever they bring him, we'll make a way to get there, never knowing how well we were going to be treated by Samaritan's Purse and the royal treatment they gave us. We felt so blessed. And Melissa and Mary Elizabeth were such a big part. We, we knew there were many other people. I'll tell you somebody else, someone else who um, blessed us. When we were driving, remember Jim, when we were driving to Texas and Ken Isaacs called us and we were on the phone in the car. We were driving, it was nighttime. We had tried to leave that day and it was 6 p.m. before we could, we couldn't figure out what we were supposed to do, where we, what we would take with us and just couldn't get it together. <laughs> so about six o'clock we got in the car and started driving and Ken Isaacs called us about nine o'clock I think at night and um, he said, it has fallen through the plan we had. We thought we had it worked out, and and um, now we can't do that. We're we're still working on it. But um, he was. I thought it was so gracious of him to call us. You mm -hmm. know, he's so busy and he's had work to do. But he called Jim and me and. Was, we were blessed by that, just the contact to know that there's somebody out there who's mm -hmm. making every effort mm -hmm. to bring him home. And you mentioned that you were all gathered together praying. I know you're a close family, and I have mm -hmm. his father Jim and sister Krista with me. Can you guys <clears throat> share with me, how were you guys holding each other up in that time? Were you reading scripture? Were, were some up and some down? How did you guys cope in those days? We stayed in very close contact with each other, mm -hmm. and we were each trying in our own, our own sphere of influence to find some way to help, mm -hmm. right? We had no idea the resources and the contacts that Samaritan's Purse had, and, and there was really nothing that we could do, but you know, you feel like you have to do mm -hmm. something. So, you know, one of my brothers was like working through his congressman, and I was working through some resources in my company, and. Um, I think it was just a lot of constant updating and we didn't want to 
um, overwhelm Amber with too much mm -hmm. contact. So we were just uh, keeping each other updated. And we obviously we were praying a lot. I don't know if that's obvious. It seems obvious to me, but it was also so overwhelmingly comforting to know how many millions of people are praying for Kent mm -hmm. um, all over the world, strangers, you know, complete strangers. And I think that um, a lot of the reason for that is because of Samaritan's Purse and the, the way that they shared the story, it, it generated so much prayer support. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was a huge comfort. And one of the things that has stayed with me since that time is how many people are suffering much worse tragedies every day all over the world. Maybe your next door neighbor, maybe mm -hmm. someone in Liberia, but they don't have millions of people praying for them. Mm -hmm. And it's just so important to pray for each other. And that mm -hmm. but, but, behind every news story is a person who's suffering mm -hmm. and who needs, you know, prayers and support, mm -hmm. uh, even of strangers. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I don't know if that answered your no, question. No, it does. And that's why I love bringing you guys in here to hear your hearts and hear the struggle. Yeah. Behind this one story. And so to take all the others, it, the power of prayer does matter and in intercessing. Yeah. Um, was there a particular scripture you guys clung to or, I'm sure it varied, but did each of you have a different scripture or one you want to share with us? Um, I had a, f a couple, mm -hmm. but one of them that was really um, meaningful to me at the time was, I believe it's Isaiah 41, either verse 10 or verse 13. Um, and there was a, someone had taken a video of Ruby when she was three years old singing a song um, and they posted it on the internet at that time but the song is based on that scripture I am your God um, I will uphold you with my righteous mm. right hand um, here it is fear not for I am with you be not dismayed for I am your God I will strengthen you yes I will help you I will uphold you with my righteous right hand for I the Lord your God will hold will hold your right hand saying to you, fear not, I will help you. So that was one, there were several, um, but that scripture has become very meaningful to me. And I just play that little ch children's song over and over in my head during that time and actually, actually play the video over and over mm. of Ruby singing that song. And I, I clung to that promise from God how did you find out that Kent had Ebola? Well, he had he had called us and said he was uh, sick, and they thought it might be uh, malaria or was it wasn't dengue fever, but it, he thought they were thinking it might be something else, um, and that he, you know, what they'd send his blood away, but at the time they had to send it quite a distance and. Mm -hmm. So it took them about three days to even get the test back. And um, in the meantime, they were treating him for malaria, and, mm -hmm. but his malaria test was negative. And uh, he called us. You know, that was one thing about, um, you know, present-day communications that you can 
be in touch with most anybody anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And so he was able to just call us on the phone. Um, but he called us and told us um, that he had Ebola and he said, um, I just don't want to be a quitter. I want to be faithful to the end. You know, he, <clears throat> as time went on with his illness, he saw himself going through all the phases that he'd seen these patients mm -hmm. go through. And up until that time, I think they'd only had one or two patients survive. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, when he started, I'm not really answering all your questions. I've got a little story, yeah. but... Uh, he, uh, you know, especially when he started bleeding, mm -hmm. vomiting blood and other areas of bleeding, uh, you know, that was frequently close to the end. But I think he was sustained to some degree. Um, he just, he said, I feel like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm -hmm. And I just... Um, I want to be faithful to the end, no matter what. If God saves me, he'll save me. And if he doesn't, I'll be with him. Mm -hmm. uh, and another interesting thing Krista mentioned about what her siblings were doing. Uh, Kent, one of Kent's older brothers, that he and Kent had a special connection. It seemed like all... Three sets of our six kids, mm -hmm. there were, they had a special connection Heavy. with one of them older than them. Mm -hmm. um, but he had called Randy Harris because he knew Kent had a close relationship with Randy Harris from, AC, from his days at ACU. Mm -hmm. And uh, Randy happened to be, he was going to be speaking the next morning at Southside Church in uh Fort Worth, where Kent and Amber had attended when they were living in Fort Worth, worshiped and worked with that congregation. Um, and so then he called Kent, and Kent told him the same thing. He said, well, do you have a message for your congregation? He said, that I'll be, you know, pray for me that I'll be faithful. I want to mm. be faithful to the end. Um, but we found out because he called us and told us. Mm -hmm. So he did tell you personally? But the day that we thought he was going to die, I, I had a conversation with a guy, too, and it, it went something like, hmm. God, I don't understand this because he's been wanting to be a missionary for a long time. He, he, at ACU, he decided to major in biblical text, and he did that, and then he came home and said, I need a tangible skill hmm. to serve people with. I want to go to medical school. Mm. Uh, that was kind of surprising because, quite honestly, he was the last one of our kids ever thought about being a doctor. Mm. Um, I thought he might go to seminary or mm. something, but um, he said he wanted to go to medical school, and um, so he did that, and then he went through four years of residency training and God, he's done all this preparation, you know, like 16, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 14 years of training mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and he's just been there for less than a year, and you're going to stop it now? What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Not, not my. I, I don't understand. Um, but who am I to ask you questions? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, in the essence, to me, Kent died, mm-hmm. and God raised him from the dead. Um, so I have no trouble now with him doing uh, all I would ask from Kent and all of my children is just do what God calls you to do. Do what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're doing that, I I don't care what risk they take. Mm-hmm. And also going, you know, you miss the the hugs and the personal contact and all that, but. Uh, you can stay pretty connected, and uh, you you find comfort when they are uh, following God's call. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any problem with them going what wherever they think God's calling them. I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Now, how has your family changed? Um, I know it's been several years, but. Obviously, your family grew close. How did your faith change as well through, through that experience? Um, I think that when you lose someone, or when you almost lose someone, mm-hmm. um, we got a lot closer. I mean, everybody... We loved each other. Mm-hmm. We pulled pulled for each other and kept in touch. And but um, when somebody said Kent has Ebola, and that got around to you know we called each kid, and it was just devastating mm-hmm. <laughs> to know we were going to lose one of them. And and we we really all thought that was going to happen. And we had, we'd been seeing what was going on in the world and in, in Liberia and in Sierra Leone. And um, so we really, I think that what it did was give us a perspective of what it's like to lose someone. Mm-hmm. And Christmas, we had thought Kent and Amber were going to be gone at Christmas of 2014. Um, we we get together every other year at Christmas. Everybody connects for a day or two days or however long we can all connect. At, they all come home, and it was 14 was the year to do that. And so we thought Kent and Amber were going to be on online to on that Christmas, and that Christmas is family gathering. And then uh, they were they were home. <laughs> And Kent had been, I mean, this was the year of, uh, you know, he'd been healed and he was recovering and still was recovering at Christmas. But there were so many other people who were, had died by that time and people he'd given plasma for that we felt so connected to because he was going to give his blood and give plasma for anybody and anybody, anybody and everybody who had Ebola. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And um, it was a very special Christmas time together, I think, more more 
Poe, he he had to stop us all of, during Christmas and said, I have to have a few minutes hmm. to say some things. Mm -hmm. And he expressed his appreciation to each person for all they had done, each one in his own way to, to uh, encourage and support and try to get him home and try to follow the plane that was a black opt and <laughs> can't find it, it never left Maine. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> we said, yes, it, it did leave Maine, it's landing in Atlanta, you know. Mm -hmm. But it was just a time of um, really close connection. And our daughter-in-law from Petoskey, Michigan, had people who took care of her four children in Petoskey and flew to Abilene to do what she could to take care of Ruby and Stephen. I had said, I'll, wherever they go, I'll stay with Ruby and Stephen and I'll take care of them. And they said, no, you won't. We'll take care of Ruby and mm -hmm. Stephen and you'll go wherever anybody else goes. So, um, her daughter-in-law flew down to Abilene and took Ruby and Stephen home with her to Petoskey and kept them for three weeks mm. till the day Kent was released from from uh, Atlanta, from Emory. Uh, that made a connection for Ruby and Stephen with that family and those mm -hmm. cousins mm -hmm. that they never would have had. And uh, there were just so many things that we were blessed by um, what God did. And I've always felt like, you know, God could have saved him in Liberia, but mm -hmm. God wanted the world to see mm -hmm. what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, somehow he knew how to do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and. We had a lot of people, uh, Samaritan's Purse, uh, the government, <laughs> which we never would have thought um, about having a connection to get this kid from Indiana home with Ebola. Um, we, just, we just saw God working in such mm -hmm. a mighty way mm -hmm. in the whole world. Anybody who cared, anybody who was watching, mm -hmm saw God working mm -hmm. and uh, just gave a, a, a platform um, for uh, when people would ask him, Matt Lauer on Thanksgiving, ask all of the Ebola survivors, what, what have you learned? What, what has this done for you, this experience? And he asked everybody, each person, and he saved Kent for last, mm -hmm. and he said to Kent, Dr. Brantley, I know you have a strong faith. Would you mm -hmm. like to speak to that? Wow. I, television doesn't do that, mm -hmm. but God did that. Mm -hmm. And of course, Kent was happy to use, <laughs> happy to answer his question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know how our family changed. I, you know, we just 
I think we do, you move along with whatever your experience is in your faith, and uh, hopefully it grows every day, no matter what the experience that you have. Thank you so much. Oh. Well, I, I, think, uh, I think probably for all of our family, uh, their faith was strengthened mm -hmm. at, through that experience. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, so I, I don't know. I, you just hope that lasts. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. You know, I like to focus on Joshua 4, you know, when they crossed the Jordan and, you know, God told them to pick up a stone, each of the Israelites for each of the tribes, you know, the 12 tribes, to remember you know, to make a memorial so that they could tell their children, you know, and you just hope and pray that you, this is a big stone for your family, you know, that you guys remember God's hand that saved your son, you know, and you have, you've used it as a testimony and a platform to share the gospel. And so that's why we appreciate you talking about this and remembering what God did um, to then allow you to send him again, you know, and know that if he's in the center of God's will, he's no safer, you know, anywhere else. Um, so... I appreciate you guys sharing, and I know Krista touched on the importance of prayer. We always close, and I like to ask my guests to share a prayer request. And I know so many post-resident doctors just finished and are being sent through World Medical Mission, you know, on their post-residency. How can we pray for those doctors and their families? I know you know a little bit more intimately than we do. How can our audience partner in prayer for these doctors as they're sent for Jesus? One of the things that uh, Kent has, I've heard him speak of it several times, um, that during Ebola, before he was sick, and, but they were seeing so many patients and training and um, still training other people to, to um, help in the fight. Um, he received an email one morning or a text, I don't remember, from a friend in Texas, a man who was, I think, maybe an elder in his, their church, or a good friend anyway, and he said, Kent, I'm fasting and praying for your faith today. Mm. And Kent said he was stunned. He's not fasting and praying for your strength and your stamina mm -hmm. and your fight for Ebola. He said he's fasting and praying for my faith. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably the best mm. way we can pray for any of these doctors who are in the field, wherever they are, whether it's a dangerous place or a safe, mm -hmm. as what we would call a safe place, uh, is to pray for their faith. Mm. So good. Think of Jesus when he said that about Peter. I pray that your faith won't fail. Exactly. You know, yeah. I, we do. We think of so many other things, but that is the most important for those on the mission field. Well, I think the the prayer that I, that I would pray is the same prayer that I pray for all believers. Hmm. And I, I mean, I do I literally do this, is to pray that we will uh, live in a way that honors God and blesses the people around us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's sometimes difficult, especially for people in the, med in the medical field when they're, they're so overwhelmed with mm -hmm. the, uh, just all of the, I mean, they're, they're physically fatigued and mentally stressed and mm -hmm. 
uh, to keep in focus why they're there, mm-hmm. and that's to give glory to God and bless the people mm-hmm. uh, that they're serving. Mm-hmm. So I would think that's uh, what I would pray for my children and all believers and those mm-hmm. uh, people who may be, even though you know you think, well, that they have a lot of faith, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing, but mm-hmm. Satan never gives up. Right. No. <clears throat> well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your hearts and, and the other side of the story. Um, so we appreciate it. Thank you. After we talked, Kent's sister Krista mentioned that Psalm 41 became their Ebola psalm. I read it afterwards, and I think it is so comforting to anyone who is sick and hurting. So I'll read it for you now. Psalm 41. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his deathbed of illness. You will sustain him on his sickbed. I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. My enemies speak evil of me. When will he die and his name perish? And if he comes to see me, he speaks lies. His heart gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes out, he tells it. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me they devise my heart. An evil disease, they say, clings to him. And now that he lies down, he will rise up no more. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be merciful to me and raise me up, that I may repay them. By this I know that you are well pleased with me, because my enemy does not triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me with my integrity and set me before your face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm excited to announce that we are also launching a second podcast, On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse. But don't worry, we are still going to have a lot of great content here just for you, our Samaritan's Purse family around the world.